How can you not get excited over that? Uh, I tell you what, I, I was looking. My daughter is now on the back row. It seems like just yesterday she was on the bottom row. They just, they grow up so fast. Won't be long, she'll be, yeah, we won't even talk about that. <laughs> I'm going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, to get started this morning. Uh, let's, uh, let's just start in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promises of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, we, we pray that you'll bless and honor the reading of your word today. Bless me now as I preach. Father, help me to be a vessel of honor today. Help me, Lord, to preach truth and preach it clearly. And help me, Lord, to not do anything to take away from what you want to do in each of us. Speak to us, encourage us, grow us. You do your work. We trust in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I remember years ago, I was uh, preparing for a message and I uh, there, there are certain illustrations that you read. There are certain stories that you read that always stick with you. And uh, really, I wasn't even planning on doing this this morning, but this, uh, this illustration come back to me uh, while I was praying. It was about a couple of boys who were riding through their neighborhood on their bicycle, and they saw their pastor doing a uh, project at home as a construction project, and he was out there swinging a hammer. And so the boys stopped their bicycle and they, they came up into the yard of the pastor and they, they said, hey, preacher. And he said a few small words and they just, they just stood there. And he continued working and he finally asked them, he says, boys, what are y'all doing? And they said, well, pastor, every time our dad hits his thumb with a hammer, he cusses pretty loud. We're just waiting to see what will happen when you do that. <laughs> That's the truth. Kids always pick up on everything that we do, don't they? Everything. 
I remember, I remember when our boys were very young, when uh, uh, we, they sat in the service and they would sit several rows back with their mom and she had all of those boys uh, back there and she did everything she could to just keep them quiet. And uh, they, would, uh, they would get in the floor and they would write and do different things and I remember I'd just be preaching away, and every now and then it's like that little mole or uh, what's that prairie dog who sticks his head out of the hole. I, I remember their little head would pop up over that back of that pew and, and just look because I said something that got their attention. We always think as parents or grandparents that our children are never, they don't listen, they're not paying attention to what we say. But I have learned now through almost 20 years of being a dad, kids always catch on to more than we think they do. They hear more. They certainly see more. And there are many times where we think we're trying to cover stuff up. We're trying to hide it. We're trying to whisper. Kids can hear a whisper better than they can hear a face-to-face conversation. They pick up on stuff. This morning on Kids Sunday, and we, what an honor it was to see our kids today. You were probably greeted when you come in the door by a child who was standing there with an adult. You saw the worship team this morning, a child standing by an adult. Uh, you, you saw our children today standing up here with the adults leading them. Uh, in the offering, there, our ushers would come forward and and, and they were, the, the kids did it, but an adult was right there with them. All along the process, they're, they're serving, but they have someone being an example before them. Someone, when they don't know what to do, that they can, they can look up to them and see what they're doing. And maybe words are not expressed, but the example is set, and so they know how to stand. They know how to hold the microphone. They... They, they know where to look when they don't know what to do. They, they're observing. And as a result, they're, they're following our footsteps, whether we really intend for them to do that or not. They're paying attention. And I want to say this. You don't have to be their mom and dad to have great influence in their life. They're looking at you. You can be a young adult with no children and, and, and you have no children in the near future on your mind. But you have kids looking at you because you're grown and there is something about you that, has, that is influential in their life and they're paying attention to that. All of us are influencing our children. We opened the Bible this morning to Mark chapter 10, and there were those who brought children to Jesus. And you, I, I just kind of went over it, but the disciples rebuked them at that time. And I'm not going to preach that message because that is a message worth it of preaching. Matter of fact, I've already preached on that text before. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, bring them on. Bring them here. We had all these children up here today. We got 20, probably 25, 20 to 25 in the nursery right now. We have, we have workers there praying that Pastor Ricky gets done early today. But they're being an influence right then. There, there's a memory that shows up on my Facebook every year where my daughter, 
who was just barely two years old is in the nursery. And, and uh, the nursery worker that particular night uh, took a picture and took a video and sent it to, to, to me and their mo- her mom. And it was them singing a, a, a Christian uh, a hymn. They were just singing music. And I don't remember what song it is right now. But it's something that every year that pops back through and is a reminder of even when they're young, how influential we are. Today, she's up here singing with a praise team. We have such an opportunity to be influential. And it doesn't have to be just small children. It's the young adults as well. Paul is writing in 2 Timothy here his very last letter that we have in that he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we have collected for us in the, what we call the Holy Bible. Very last letter. And he's writing to a young man that meant a great deal to him. He calls him his son. Now, biologically, Timothy is not his son. But Timothy is one that we believe was saved under Paul's ministry. He's certainly one that learned, learned the ministry at Paul's feet. In Acts chapter 16, he began to travel with Paul. And their first journey was over into Macedonia where the gospel was preached in Philippi. Paul learned, uh, Timothy learned from Paul. There was a lot of mentoring that goes on and went on during that time. And we see him throughout the book of Acts. Paul had already wrote a letter called 1 Timothy. Now he's writing and he knows his departure, his time is at hand. Paul is ready. He's fought the good fight. He's finished his course. He's ready to go. But before he goes, he wants to be an influence one more time to this preacher. And he starts out in this this passage in verse number 3 and He says some things here that, to me, are exemplary. He he mentions in verse 3, he says, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. We live in a society today where we emphasize a lot of things. Not necessarily bad things. We emphasize a lot of time and energy and effort today in the world of sports. It's no longer just one or two practices a week. It's all the time. And the older they get, the more it is. And it's not just a couple of months out of the year. It's year-round nowadays. And I'm not, I'm not here this morning to bash that and say that that is wrong. I'm not doing that. Sports had a big part in my life. Had a big part in my life. But it doesn't replace the most important things. Steve Lilly. God bless you, man. Good to see you. The greatest thing that we need to always be influencing in our children and our young people is this. Our dependability upon God. That we need the Lord. Paul right here, he's saying, I thank God. And he has some things to be thankful for and he goes on through here. 
But he mentions here in verse number three that I that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul was a great man of God. Can I get amen? There's no doubt about that. We're not denying that. But Paul wasn't so great that he didn't depend upon God. The power of his life came through the power of prayer. Every letter that he wrote, he talks about praying. I'm praying for you. Without ceasing, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you night and day. I'm thinking about you all the time. I am praying, praying, praying for you. Do you remember when Paul talked about all of the things that he had went through, the testimony of all the trials and troubles, and he gets to the end and, and probably the greatest that uh, I, I, burden, not in a bad sense, in a good sense, but it takes his toll as his care for the churches. Because he, he can't never stop thinking about them. How are they doing? Lord, what are they going through? What are they dealing with? What are they facing today? It is always, always, and faces pop in your mind, and people pop in your mind, and what they're dealing with and going through, and you're, you're thinking about all of those things. And Paul is just writing to Timothy, and he says, listen, I thank God that I remember to pray for you without ceasing. I pray for you all the time. Can, can, I, can I ask you this? How often do people in our life see us praying? Whether it's for them or someone else. What example are we setting that we are completely dependent upon God? You ever sat at, uh, sat at a restaurant somewhere and you see you see somebody suddenly bow their head and begin to pray? I like to see it when they're all by themselves. They're not doing it because they're supposed to do it. They're worried about what somebody else thinks. They do it because they want to do it. It's always, it's always a testimony. I don't know anything else about them, but I do know this. They believe that they need the Lord. You say, well, pastor, the Bible says we're to enter our prayer closet. That is true. That is true. There are times we need to be praying privately. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. But our children need to know that we are praying for them. You know... I think it's a great compliment to a father when their child believes their dad can do anything. I think that's a great compliment. But here's a greater compliment. If my kids will say, my dad believes God can do anything. Or, my dad believes he can do anything with God's help. Do you realize this morning that our children want us to be their heroes? It's not the guy that they see on TV. The guy that they'll never speak to. How many kids have been let down because they try to get somebody's autograph and they ain't got time for them? The greatest 
people in our children's life is their mom and dad. Is their grandparents. It's people that they are around every day. That is who they really want to be their heroes. That's who they want to look up to. That's who they want to walk in their shoes, their footsteps. I often have talked about that my family got out of church when I was about nine years old. And throughout my teenage years, we weren't in church. But I'm going to tell you something. My mother came into my bedroom and prayed for me every single night. To the point it drove me crazy. To the point that I ain't even living right. I'm like, Mom, I don't want this tonight. But she would come in there and she would pray every night. Didn't always pray out loud. But she would pray every night. And I remember when my dad, when I was very young, my dad coming into my bedroom and opening up the Bible. And he just read the Bible. He just read the Bible. I don't remember him giving long explanations of what it meant. I was lying in bed and he read the Bible and I have memories of that. And, and the whole point I'm telling you this is that when it came to a place in my life where I realized this is not what I want because of that influence in my life, I knew where to go to. I know where to go back to. Paul is setting an example. I'm praying for you, Timothy, all the time. Now Timothy is a pastor himself. And you know what Timothy is going to be convicted of? He needs to be praying for his church and the people he's influencing all the time. When is the last time your children saw you respond to the Word of God? You heard the word preached, and that still small voice comes right to your seat. Now, you can, you can leave this place, and you can go home and talk to the Lord and deal with it, and that's great. Do it. But what example did you set? When things get really, really hard, it is very easy for us to complain. It is very easy for us to murmur. But our kids see that. When do they see you just get your family together and say, hey, we need to pray together? We need God. Whether it's a big thing, whether it's a small thing, just a day-to-day -day thing. Do our children look at us and say, My parents believe God can do anything. We're always setting an example. 
The second example that he talks about here is an example of faith. It started with his grandmother. He, he, he writes there in verse number five. He says, when I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith. So what is unfeigned faith? It is a real faith. We know the difference between a real faith and a hypocrisy faith. We know what real looks like. I promise you this, our children know what real looks like. My kids know the difference between Pastor Ricky and just their dad. Are they the same people? Well, he says, when I call to remembrance your unfeigned faith, your real faith, that's, 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 a, well, that's a testimony for Timothy. But he says, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. That's where it began. It began in grandma. Say, where's grandpa? I don't know. Where is grandpa? Say, grandpa's working. Good. But you still need the Lord. It began in Grandma Lois. Thank God for grandmas. Thank God for influential grandmas who are an example of the faith. Such an example that it influenced her daughter, but it also influenced her grandson. So much so that God inspired Paul to mention her by name so that we could read about her. He didn't inspire Paul to write about Grandpa. But it began in Lois. Do you know, do you know, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, I am prepared to wait as long as I need to wait. But I'm looking forward to being a granddaddy. No time soon. I'm not even going to look their way. <laughs> but I tell them all the time, I want 25 grandchildren. I got five kids. I want all of y'all to have five kids. I want a house full come Christmas time. I can't wait. I probably won't live long enough to see great-grandchildren. So, grandchildren, looking forward to it. Already praying for them. Now, Christy, uh, Christy's never said amen to that. <laughs> but that's what I want. It's a wonderful joy to be a parent. Christy and I, we could not wait to be parents. We, we, felt, we felt when we were dating, we were born to be parents. We just loved kids, loved being an influence in their life. We just couldn't wait. Looked forward to it. Been the greatest honor of my life to be a dad. But our influence never stops. It doesn't stop when you raise your kids and now you can take your hands off of it.
Somebody saw a grand, their grandmother always reading the Bible and a friend came by one day and says, why is your grandma always reading the Bible? He didn't quite understand. He just said, I guess she's preparing for finals, I guess. She's preparing to, she's preparing to go to heaven. She's always reading the Bible. That, worst things could be said. It began in your grandmother Lewis and it moved on in your mother Eunice. Say, where's dad at? I don't know. Acts chapter 16 mentions dad. Dad was a Gentile Greek. Mom was a Jew. But I don't believe that she worshipped in an orthodox Jewish way. Dad was a Gentile. He was like you and me. Bible might call him a heathen. I don't know what, what all influence dad had in his life. I don't know. But I know Eunice had great faith. And sometimes, sometimes it is easy for us to make an excuse. Our home is divided. Our my husband won't come to church. Your kids will know whether your faith is real or not. And that can be enough. My husband's a heathen. My husband doesn't care anything about God. All the more reason why your children need you to be the example in their life. Eunice, unwavering faith. It says later in 2 Timothy 3 verse 15. Why don't you read that? Let's look at verse 14. Paul tells Timothy, he says, continue, continue in the things which thou hast learned, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Influential people in Timothy's life, it began with Mama Eunice and Grandma Lois. It continued in Paul and it continued in others. You know what you have been taught. You know what you have been assured of. You know who you learned them from, people who love you and are desperate for God to be a huge part of your life. Your relationship with God is important to them, and therefore they taught you in the way in which that could happen. Continue in those things. And he says in verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's why Wednesday nights in Awana is so important. That's why teen Bible study is so important. That's why children's Sunday school is so important. Because they don't always know what they're getting, but they're getting the scriptures. They're growing in that knowledge so that when the day comes and that Holy Spirit comes by and it convicts them of their sin, they have put all of those pu that puzzle together. They put all of those pieces together and it leads them to salvation. 
And it's all of that effort. It's not, it's not just Pastor Gill happens to be there on Sunday, February the 25th and leads your child to the Lord. It is all of that stuff on that road that got them in that journey. All the people who influenced them, all of those examples, all of those influences in their life where they saw what real faith was, the scriptures that were taught to them. When you were tired and you didn't want to be here, but you came on to church anyways as a, a water volunteer and you influenced their life, God sees that, they see that, and it's impactful for eternity. And it's bigger than anything else that you've done all week. Right? He grows up and now he has an unwavering faith. In Acts chapter 16, the very start of his ministry, you know what happens? He sees his mentor go to jail. He sees Paul and Silas go to jail because they helped a woman by removing an unclean demonic spirit. And he saw the uproar of the people as a result of it. How about that for your introduction to ministry? He sees Paul go to jail. And what is the testimony of Paul? He and Silas are down there at midnight. They're praying and they're singing. Listen, listen. In our greatest trials, you are setting an example do I really want to follow this or not? When it comes to a place and I need God, I, I need something in my life that, is, that, is, that I, I, I can't touch. It's more powerful. Do I believe God can get me through this? Well, it got Paul through it. I remember when it got Mama through it. I remember when it got Grandmama through it. And if God did it for them, I'm going to trust and believe God can get me through this. And therefore, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to whine about it. I'm just going to keep on serving the Lord. And I'm going to keep praising Him. And I'm going to sing unto Him. And I'm going to keep praying and asking Him. Because that is what I was taught. And that is what I saw. And that is how I saw them delivered. Because of the people and the influence that was in my life. And therefore, if God can work it out in their life, I believe God can do it for me. Then we see the last point, an example of our dependence upon God, an example of our faith in God. And then, and then Paul talks about an example of the power of God. Timothy is going through some things. Do you see in verse number four? Paul says, I greatly desire to see thee being mindful of thy tears. For some reason, Timothy is emotional. He's struggling. And Paul just says, I want to see you because it will fill my heart with joy to see you. And he goes down in verse 6 and he says, I, I, Wherefore I put thee... In remembrance, I want you to remember this right here. That you stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Why? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What example do we set when we don't know what to do? It's okay to cry. It's okay to get emotional. It's okay to shed tears. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to hurt. That's just being real. Jesus said we're going to have tribulation, did he not? But what else did he say? I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Do we believe that or don't we? We all agree it is easy for us to say what we believe. It is a harder thing to prove it. Timothy's going through some struggles. And Paul just tells him, I want you to remember what's in you. Remember what's inside you. What is inside every born-again believer? It is the Holy Spirit that indwells every one of us. You got all of God you're going to get. Amen. We just haven't surrendered all there is of us. We got the Holy Spirit living within us. And sometimes this world and ourselves overpower us to the point that it leaves us with our, with our, with our elbows on our knees and our faces covered up. And we're losing our hair because we're constantly running our fingers through it. And we get emotional, we get struggling, and we shed tears. And we just don't always know what to do. But Paul reminds him, don't forget what's inside of you. Don't forget who you belong to. Don't forget whose you are. You're not alone. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Before I got saved, I was afraid. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ and trusted him as my Savior, he took that fear of death and hell away. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gives us a He gives us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can you can you go one book 1 Timothy chapter 1? This is one of the most powerful verses in scripture for me outside of the promises of God. Just as a word of a testimony, it's one of the one of the most powerful verses. And Paul writes in verse number 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is always thankful. Do y'all catch that? He's always thankful. That'll do us some good right there. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. He's admitting I couldn't do this by myself. God, God empowered me. God helped me. 
For he counted me faithful. Wow, God counted me faithful to do what I'm doing. Consider that. He says, and he put me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. This is who I was. I stunk. Nobody wanted anything to do with me. But I obtained mercy because I did it in did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That's great, powerful words. This is why it's powerful to me. Verse 12. I thank I think Christ Jesus. He didn't send me out there all by myself. He empowered me with his spirit. He enabled me. God is always with me. I'm not alone. I th- I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that God saw something in me When all I saw and everybody else saw was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. I saw someone who needed God's mercy. I saw someone who was undeserving, and so did everybody else. Nobody saw in me what God saw in me. But he he saw someone who could be faithful. Faithful enough, he says, that God put me in the ministry. Now, Why does that mean so much to me? Because that's a guy who was in prison many times because he was in ministry. That's a guy who faced shipwreck. That's a guy who faced uproars all the time, ridicule, hate. I mean, persecution unlike anything I could believe. Whipped, beaten with a rod. I mean, whipped many, many times. Lashes on his back. Pain, injury, suffering. Got stoned, drug out of the city like trash, left for dead. All of these things happened to him. And what does he say? I sure am thankful. I sure am thankful I get to do this. Do you realize when somebody backs up and exemplifies and they have a real unfeigned faith that it adds power to everything that you say? It adds power. Because not, it's, it's easy for somebody to say that, but when your life backs it up and, you, and somebody says, they really mean it. They really mean what they're saying. And when he tells me, now, don't forget, I know, I know you're upset. I know you're dealing with some things. I'm mindful of your tears. I wish I could see you. But the greatest thing I can give you right now is don't forget what's inside you. Don't forget who's there. And that gives him the courage to keep moving forward. One of these days, all of our children will be on their own. Our grandchildren will be on their own. They may be living on the side of the country, living on the other side of the world. And what time we had to be an influence in their life, what we showed them 
they're going to be mindful of. If we gripe, if we gossip, if we whine, if we complain, if we're bashing, we're always complaining. I can't, I don't understand why he does it this way, why she did this, why she looks like this. If they hear all of that, they're going to be critical of everybody. Why are they so critical of everybody? Because you taught them that. But if they learn to find the good, yeah, they're not right. They're not right. But if God saw something in me, why can't I see something in them? And maybe I can be a vessel that God can use to love them and encourage them and pour into them. And who knows, God, what what God will do with them. Teach them that, and they'll grow up to be gracious people. Teach them to stand for what is right, no matter what it costs. Paul taught that. You can be kind and loving and compassionate and still be bold. You're setting an example. Every one of you are setting an example in my kid's life. I'm not just preaching to moms and dads. We are setting an example for the next generation in the time that we have. Set a good one. Set a godly one. Be in your place. Respond to God's word. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be real in your faith. Unwavering. Set the right example. It's everyone's responsibility. It is not Pastor Gill's responsibility to be the spiritual leader in your children. It is your responsibility. It is not my responsibility to be the spiritual leader in your home. It is your responsibility. Accept it. Ask God for help. Let our our kids look at us and say, that's what I want to be like. They got it figured. That's what I want to be like. Let's bow our heads. Father.